Greetings, everyone. This is Eric Stewart from Fishing Fanatics. And today I have an awesome guest, um, Rob Dye. And he's a lifelong outdoor fisherman and he fishes in the Elite Series. And he, he actually fished in 50 tournaments and placed in the money 28 times. Now he likes to hang out and cook and camp and hang out with the family and friends. So how you doing, Rob? I'm doing great, man. It's great to have you on here. I was looking into your account a little bit and what you got going on and the different tournaments that you placed in. And I always think it's wonder, like, kind of cool to ask people how they got into fishing in the first place and then what the stepping stones were to kind of get where they were today. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I started, you know, uh, at a very young age, as most people did. Some people didn't start that fish professionally till they was in their 20s. They had other sports on their mind. but. Uh, Started at a young age, and of course, you know, whether it be panfish or catfishing or, you know, whatever with my dad. And then I progressed, you know, into bass fishing. It was always an interest because so many techniques and so many ways to catch them. Uh, and, you know, uh, I'm 50, we'll be 53 this year. And then when I was coming up, you know, we didn't have the internet. So there's a lot of suspense in bass fishing. They, you, you had to know the right people to get the right information. And, uh, but that was always an interest to me. And uh, I reckon that kind of made me glue to bass fishing and tournaments, uh, just to, to be in the know how to catch a bass, you know, uh, it was, uh, it was always cool to be with the right people, you know. Absolutely. How did, um, did something just switch with you one day when you're fishing tournaments? Like, you know, you said you grew up fishing, you probably made the transition to tournaments when you were younger, but did something just kind of click for you one day where you were like out there, you're like, you know what, I actually have a chance to do this for a living. Like when did that moment really set in? Yeah. You know, the, the elites was, it's more of a event was more of an adventure for me than per se a living. I mean, sure. I would like to uh, have, have, done it for a living but i um uh, it's a it's really a hard job and i've had uh i've always worked for myself my whole life i mean uh and being an elite angler you know you work for yourself uh in one sense by you know you're in control of catching the fish and cashing the check but you can't just make it it's hard to make it uh, fishing professionally unless you've got sponsors that's where the money's at and, and some guys are doing really well with it you know but you have to get out and hustle and you have to work for other companies and uh, promote their product and uh, it's it's a big job it, you know the, when the tournament's over you know you have to go to work a lot of times like guys are working red crest this weekend you know they might have to travel you know a day or so to even get here to Red Crest. And then, you know, you got your motels. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a full-time job. You just have to plan your schedule out and work with all your sponsors and keep them happy, whether you catch them fish or not, because you're not going to be able to catch them every year, you know, or every tournament. So you need that extra money coming in uh, to be uh a professional angler and I wasn't really prepared to do that. Uh, so, uh, but I enjoyed my time on the leads and I'm fishing some local stuff now, fishing some BFLs. I'm fishing the opens this year, the Northern side, a couple of those. 
and uh, just more relaxed type fishing and some team tournaments. Nice. Yeah, you're doing um, team tournaments with your son, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We fish some, uh, fish some angler's choice. And, you know, for for a local angler, many places, uh, the team trails is, they're paying out a lot of money, you know. Championships paying twenty five and fifty thousand dollars, and uh, that's that's no joke, you know. Really, for for a regional angler, so you can make a little pocket change and you know buy a few lures with that. Definitely, no, it's a solid chunk. I didn't know that the uh, the local tournaments or the team tournaments really. Um, we have a lot of those here around our house locally. I know sometimes up north they don't have that many. Uh, but we have a pile of them here in the south. Uh, I mean, you can just pretty much take your pick. And in the fall of the year, I mean, we'll fish, you know, four or five weekends for 25000 plus every weekend. That's pretty solid. Is so, that, yeah. um, so is that what caused you to t- kind of take a step back from like the solo tournament scene? Is your, you know, is your son getting older and you kind of wanted to – get him into it too. So you're like, no, oh, he just wants to do it. He wants to do it. And he, he might try it yet, but, uh, he, he don't quite have the experience, uh, nationally, or I would say, you know, he, he's a good fisherman here locally and, and maybe, uh, you know, North South Carolina, Virginia, but he really hadn't branched out enough, uh, on some of these other lakes to really compete. He did fish some college tournaments, East Carolina. And, uh, but he needs a little more experience, and uh, he'll probably take a chance at it here one day once he gets uh, a little more stable in life. He's getting married this year, and uh, so he gets that behind him and, you know, get everything settled. He'll probably take a shot at it. Yeah, Rob, it's um the college fishing scene. My first couple podcasts I did were, some, were with a couple college fishing guys, and I thought it was really interesting, the world of college fishing. Um. What, in your experience, having your son in college fishing scene, what did you see in that world that was a little bit different than you might have not have thought? I, I think it's a it? great deal. You know, I mean, I wish they'd have had it when I was wanting to go. I, I didn't go to college, but if they would have had fishing, I mean, I'd have been right there. But it is expensive for the parents. Uh, and uh, I don't, uh, you know, the, the downside of college, I want to give you the downside, and then I'll give you the plus side. The downside is they don't pay a lot of money to the anglers. The upside is the guys coming out of that, they're, they come out better anglers, and they've, they've learned uh, these other lakes. They've got all that experience. So when they leave there, uh, and the competition is fierce on those college stuff, lots of boats. They have all that knowledge and all that experience, and plus the friendships they make yeah. uh, doing it. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity for anybody that has the opportunity to do it. But uh, the organization side of it, uh, I think they're they're trumping, you know, a lot of change on that. And I, I would like for them to see, you know, pay a little more back because it is very expensive on the parents, even though some schools do fun part of it but you know you gotta have a boat you gotta have a truck all that so Some, yeah, nice someone's gotta pay for money. Uh, someone's gotta pay for gas right that's right, that's right. <laughs> uh, no that's awesome it's good little insight there on college fishing because it's one of those things that um for me it was never really an option because i was in baseball you know what i mean so sure. i just figured baseball college baseball I'll just go through that way i'll tell you right now if my 
college had a fishing program, I'm in for it. But sure. I think it's I think it's cool to have the sports growing at the um at the professional level level, and so is the college level too. Yeah, and a lot of schools like even like your school. East Carolina didn't really recognize fishing as a uh, school sport, but at first, and then they did, but, you know, the funding wasn't there. They had to promote themselves, do fundraisers, uh, and the parents had to kick in quite a bit of money. So it is very expensive. Absolutely. All right, so you've you've been fishing for a long time, right? And through the years, I'm sure you've seen a lot of different changes, a lot of different tactics. Like, you know, nowadays I know Japan domestic market swim baits are big now and, you know, forward facing sonar and all these different things. In your opinion, what's the biggest change from when you first started to now? The the forward facing sonar. I mean, it definitely, I mean, you can't find David Fritz. I mean, He's told me the best. He says, you know, we can't find our fish with our rod and reels anymore. And that's when it finally dawned on me, you know, that those guys were beating us to death with that forward-facing sonar. Like, I had it, but, you know, I never really depended on it till after I was out of the leaks. Now I'm like, okay, you dummy, I'm hard-headed. Everybody tell you, I'm very hard-headed, but. Even my son, he's a dad. You you don't know what you're doing. You got so he finally helped me a lot with it. But that forward facing sonar is a, is a big game changer. And uh, guys, uh, you know, catching fish on, they'll be. It wouldn't surprise me if every elite tournament was not one on it this year in some form or fashion. You know, but. Uh, it, it's just amazing what it does for you. Absolutely. And, you know, what, what's your personal opinion on it? Because I've heard a couple guys throw around like, ah, it's, you know, it's kind of ruining the I mean, the game it's like the Alabama stuff. rig. I mean, personally, everybody's – the Alabama rig is is no longer magical as they thought it was. I mean, the, we throw it down here, but the fish don't bite it near as good. You got to know how to fish it. It's the same way with forward-facing sonar. You you got to know what you're doing with it. Uh, would I like to see them ban it? It wouldn't hurt my feelings if they did, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think a person needs to go out and learn all the techniques he can with it uh, because it's going to be here to stay. Uh, now, if they've come out with, uh, you know, the new transducers way better than the last one they keep improving it they might at some point say hey you can't use that technology you know where you can see if it's a a bass or you know a striper or crappy or something like that but you know a lot of guys can tell that now without that so uh, it wouldn't surprise me if if you couldn't see it as clear as me and you in another 20 years we'll probably be looking right under the water you know (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be interesting how this whole thing plays out and what gets banned and what gets allowed. And, you know, hopefully at the end of the day, the thing that we all get out of this, though, is fishing still grows as a competitive sport and then a pastime. Exactly. You know, so that, I think that's the biggest thing there. But, yeah, um, we all need to uh, take care of our resources, too. Well, I mean, it's it's important. Uh, there's a lot more fishing pressure now, and we just need to take care of them best we can. Absolutely. So, um. What's what's your favorite place to fish? You had to pick one. I know you've been to probably multiple. Probably, lakes, 
probably Santee Cooper. I just come from there this weekend and got beat bad, but uh, that's probably my favorite lake because any cast can be, you know, a monstrous fish. Um, you know, thirty pound bags are very common there. They wasn't this weekend, but uh, it's probably my favorite. It's a lot of uh, different stuff that you can fish there, and it's it's not would say the safest place to run around, and that kind of intrigues me a little bit too. You got to know where to run. There's a lot of stumps, and uh, I just like it. It's it's big. Uh, you can fish different ways, and it's got a lot of big fish. Gotcha. Yeah, that always makes it a little interesting when you get a big, um, big old stock. Actually, <laughs> I fished a coaster there. I think it was 17, 16. I had my biggest bag ever. I weighed in, weighed 32, eight there. Hmm. That's pretty solid. Yeah, this big That's... bag fish for me, it was. I mean, oh, yeah. No, absolutely. God damn. Well, then what, what's your, um, what's your biggest smallmouth and biggest largemouth? You know, the smallmouth. I had never caught one over five. Okay. I never have. I mean, right, I'd say right at five. I mean, never over five. I, I've caught some I thought was over five, but you put them on the scales and, and then there wasn't. But uh, my biggest largemouth I've caught been 12, 13. Oh, my God. Yeah. Where, where'd you get that at? El Salt, Lake El Salto. Well, what was that fish? What was that like? I caught him on a storm swim bait. Nice, nice. Sure did. Is that a um like a soft plastic paddle tail or? Yes, yes. Gotcha, dude. That's that's a big bass. Yeah, that's yeah. No cool, man, Rob. I I appreciate you doing this podcast with me, man. And I like to take out this like last segment for you to kind of plug anything you want to plug, whether you got you know your business going on or. Whether you got you know your social medias where people can follow you, just the floors you. Yeah, I mean, you I, I'm doing uh, uh, Instagram and Facebook, Rob Die Outdoors, and uh, you know, as far as promoting, uh, I really don't. I really don't. Since I left the elite scene, I mean, I still got some a few deals that I get some discounts and stuff on, but uh, I I've been dabbling in uh, some fundraising. And uh, trying to do that on the side and doing a few other podcasts here locally. And, and we naturally do the podcast and we include the fundraising kind of into that to help people that are in need, other fishermen, other sportsmen. Uh, it's been kind of the weather's been, you know, just now breaking spring. So we'll be doing that in the future. So, you know, take a look at my Facebook or Instagram and, uh, you know, if you're interested in helping on that, no, no, you don't have to donate anything big, but it is for uh fisherman or sportsman that's in need. And, uh, you know, I say, uh, if you haven't, uh, you know, tried out a, maybe a Camus boat, you might want to try one. It's one of the best riding boats I've ever been in and they don't pay me nothing, but I've had all of them and it is a very good riding boat. So, uh, of course, Mercury, Mercury Marine, but, yeah. uh, other than that, man, that's about it. I love it. What's the name of the uh, foundation? I don't have actually have a foundation yet. I I uh, I've been talking to my tax lady about that, and you know we're still small. We haven't reached that point yet. We're doing mm-hmm. like four a year. So to do a foundation, then you know it's going to change my whole tax thing. I have to do a whole other uh, 
tax paper, and I just haven't done that yet. I've been keeping everything separate, and if I do get audited, then they see where all the money goes. So, uh, you know, I, ha- I just haven't done that yet. I got you. No worries. I will drop I'm all your. About, um... I actually did get some hats made up. I don't know if you can see that. But yep. I call it my my new little logos, Hook and Cook team, and we kind of like you know just come up with that, and uh, and probably that's what it'll be called when we do do one here in the future. Awesome, man. Well, I'll keep an eye out for that and let the listeners know you know how that's going. I'll also drop all the links to all your socials in the description for them to check out. Rob, it was great having you on here, and hopefully some down day down the road when you get that foundation set up, we can have you on to talk more about it. Sure. Sure, Stuart. I appreciate it, man. You just listened to the Fishing Fanatics podcast with your host, Eric Stewart. Feel free to check out our other podcasts and our other interviews on our channel, on Spotify, YouTube, and much more. Check out our Instagram page, TikTok, and Facebook as well.